Welcome to the Dynamax Podcast, Maine's premier powerlifting and strength sports podcast. From studios in Westbrook, Maine, with your hosts, Matt Israelson and Matt Strong. All right. Good evening, uh, listeners. I think we're at number eighteen, Matt. Podcast like eighteen. That. I gotta make sure. Next time, I gotta check. We'll give you a hard count, folks. Here. Next time, we're live out of Westbrook, Maine. Studio, we're in Studio three hundred eight. Studio three hundred eight. We got a guest tonight, Matt. Who is it? We got a very special guest. We got Marty George. And if you don't, if you've been to a Dynamax meet, you for sure recognize the face. But there's a good chance you aren't aware of the powerlifting accomplishments and kind of the uh, the role that he played. And if you, if you have any time in, then you know the name Marty Joyce. That's right. Um, so we're going to get you a little more familiar with it. Yeah, so tonight. without uh, further ado, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming. You're welcome. Um, so Marty, you have been powerlifting for a long time. Is that correct? <laughs> Since 1970. 1970. And have did you start powerlifting in Maine? Yes. Okay. Uh, where was where, in 1970? Where was the power? Where did one powerlift? Well, the meet was it was the Augusta the Augusta YMCA. Okay. And that was uh, what was? Could you kind of like describe what like the environment was there as far as you know the gear the lifters were using? Well, the back back then it wasn't gear like today. All we had back then the, the sport started in 1965. I played football for, for football for a while, and then uh, guys said they go to this meet, try it out. Went up, tried it out. We used to wear ace, ace bandages for our knees. We had a uh, Olympic Olympic lifting uh, belt, and we used to lift in shots and a t-shirt. Back then, the art of lifting was you'd bench first, squat second, deadlift last. And unlike today, with not the round system. Back then, they're bound up one time. So what that meant is that. You know, if you were very good at something, which mine was deadlift, you might be going three times in a row. Okay, you have you'd have one minute, you get your lift done, you'd have one minute to give them your your next lift. You have three minutes to rest and lift again, if you were going to follow yourself. This is before uh, the system we have now. Really? Okay. Yeah, the meets so, would go to midnight. Uh, so what? You would just you do three attempts in a row, basically, and no, if he well, you, 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 you everybody the bag is up one time. So say if, you, if you're going to take four twenty. You could take 420. Next guy's taking 430. Just keeps going up, okay? In my case, I was a, a good deadlifter, so I was always the last guy to deadlift, so I'd be taking all my three attempts in a row because. Because you would be the. I, I was at the end, the back of a certain height, a certain weight. And you would I, have you all know, the last I'd ones. I'd have all the last ones, you know, so. Uh, and actually, a lot of folks think it's a lot of work, but I, I found back then when I was excited and tempos up and so forth, I didn't mind doing the free list in a row in about 10 minutes because I was motivated. When I went to the round system, I found sometimes hanging around for an hour or 45 minutes between lifts. Okay, cool down, you get a little cool anxiety. Down so forth. So I, I happened to like it that way back then. Uh, but, you know, been a lot of changes. And the other thing we did is we, they decided to give the back a rest. They put the squat first after a while and the bench second and deadlift last. But once again, when we first started, you would bench first, do a squat second, and deadlift last. Why do you think that they switched it? You think it's to give your ba- uh, your back a break? I think you just give give your, your back a break, you know. So that's exactly why they changed it back then. I was always kind of under the impression that like squatting is the most dangerous one. Like on triathlons, you swim first because you have the biggest risk of drowning, and then you 
bike and, and you could fall off the bike and then you run. So it's like the least, or the most dangerous, the least dangerous. And I was called, always kind of under the impression that powerlifting followed yeah. kind of a similar. You know, squats the most dangerous, but it doesn't matter whether you do it first, second, or third, it's still the same danger. Yeah, true. So, you know. Uh, Very true. You know, back then, unlike today, we didn't have a monolith, so you'd have to walk out with the weight and set up. Uh, were the, uh, as far as like the, the rules of the lift, were those similar? Like, did you have to wait for the squat command, wait for the press command on bench? The only difference today is, is that, you know, back then, your foot had to stay in the ground the entire, the entire lift, okay? Now today, your, your heel can, can raise up and still be passed. You couldn't do that back then. Oh, you had to be flat foot? I'd be flat-footed back. Couldn't there. move at all. Right. Uh, couldn't move at all. Uh, I think the rules a little bit, little be quite frankly, a little tighter than they are now. Uh, you know, the other thing you, you couldn't do at all. If, if the bar was sitting on your chest for the clap, you let it, let it sink a little bit and push it back up. There's no lift. Right. Uh, Any if, downward if, movement. If, if, if the bar, that, even if it stopped on the way up, no lift. Uh, and a lot of times, if you didn't look at it evenly, I mean, real even, they, they, they call it on that. But I suppose young back then, so we had pretty you know, strict rules to start out with. And as we, as we added more federations, uh, then it seemed as though the rules got a little more different each federation a little bit. Okay. Um, so you mentioned that uh, deadlift was your best lift. And Maddie uh, sent me some notes on you before, uh, before you came here today. I sent my producer the notes. I got a little background information. I got a little ammo. So you have, or you set the main state record for the deadlift at 181 in 76. From what I understand, it still stands. Yeah, actually, the, the meet, it was the world record at that point in time. I did it at the national meet, so it was a national meet in the world record, and I was not main, anyway, so it became the, the state of main record. Uh, I was the first person, 1972, I uh, pulled 700 pounds, which was, I was the first guy to pull 700 pounds that weighed less than 200 pounds. And that was in the New England's in 1972. No, I didn't know that. Uh, wow. And uh, there's a piece, there's an article in the blue. He got. saw that. Yeah. yeah. I've read it like a hundred times. Yeah. I'm waiting so, for the bathroom. I always take a peek at that. I didn't realize, I didn't realize it was you though. Um, did you pull conventional or sumo then? Was the sumo always, even I've always exist? pulled conventional. Okay. Raw. I've, always, I've, always, raw. I've always believed that you use the same stance, squat and deadlift because it's the same muscles. When you start the deadlift, you're in a down position on the squat. All right, so it's the same muscles in play. So I've always felt that you, you don't do one wide, one close. I've always been, you know, I would always squat with my feet shoulder width and mm -hmm. deadlift shoulder width. For me, that worked great. Um, some people, the sumo is okay, but uh, a sumo means a person is, is all their strength in their legs and their back stays straight the whole time. You yep. know, they squat the same way. If you a person that requires a lot, you know, you have a lot of back strength, and you get, you know, you're going to do with the closer stance, he both had a strong in the squat back. and on on the deadlift. So, so obviously, in night, we live in the information era today. If I want to go on Google and search how to deadlift, I probably could find a thousand videos. How did you one figure out form for deadlift, and two, kind of program for it with, as far as accessories and what your, you know, working sets and reps and stuff well, like that. Years ago, we had two magazines published by Bob Hoffman, who was kind of the father of weightlifting. You had a strength and health, and you had muscle development. Strength and health was more about overhead lifting and Olympic general conditioning. Lift. Yep. Muscle development was, 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 was more about power lifting and physique building. Uh, back then, I used to, 
read the magazine back then, there's a couple of guys in 181, 198, that were trem trem very, very good at the, at, the, at the snatch and the planning jerk from Russia. And I, I watched this guy, his technique and so forth, and I said, if he can clean, you know, clean the weight that way, maybe I ought to do deadlifts that way. So I, I tried that and uh, had great success. So I said, well, <laughs> why have I changed my technique? Yeah. Uh, I was pretty lucky. Back then when I was doing those weights, I was always the, the best deadlift of any weight class there. So, you know, I was very fortunate. I didn't recognize how good I was until I went to England and hit the world record. Because um, I thought when I, I went to, only two meets before that, I went to the state meet. The first meet I went to, they were in Augusta. I hadn't really squatted that much, but when I squatted, it wasn't a good squat. I mean, I, just, I, I squatted with, I like a back lift. I'd go way down, do it the morning, get up, okay? Yeah. Steve Goggins type. But, yeah, I, ended, I, but I ended up, at the end of the day, I had what they call the Grand Slam. I had the stair record and the bench, the squat, the elephant total. Wow. And then, and I was at 198 back then, and I went to in April and state meet again, you know, and I set all the records then. So then I was just going to try the New Englands. But there's also bodybuilding back then. We used to do this back then. We were both, we, we competed both bodybuilding and, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the powerlifting meet. I'd be in the uh, powerlifting meet in the afternoon. At the physique at night. When I won the New England Seth World Record 72, I also won Miss New England that night. That's that, that article. so there. crazy. Uh, that will never be done again. No. You know, so, but anyway, so I went to New England thinking, well, I, I wanted to pull seven, but I had no idea if it was going to be a good lift or not, you know, or someone's going to do more than that because I figured I didn't, I didn't have any idea what the records were. So I had this goal to pull 700 and I dropped my body weight from 180, from 90, 195 to 181 because of bodybuilding. And, uh, when I got there, um, there was a lot of buzz. My buddy Skip Robinson uh, was telling people he was going to pull 700 pounds. And of course, no one believed it. I didn't know what, even, what it meant, but he says, <laughs> a guy can't pull a kind of weight. And, and there's, a, um, there's another fellow, Carl Snitkin, who was a world champion at 242. Carl Snitkin. Snitkin. Great lifter. So we get in a heated discussion because he was telling <laughs> me I, I could not lift that kind of weight. And Passion I said, I can. So yeah, I ended up opening up with 660, and it was pretty easy for me. That's like 300 kilos on the dot, isn't it? So mm -hmm. I jumped to, so I jumped to 700 pounds and I pulled seven and I said, Kyle, it's your turn. Well, he, he, he didn't, he couldn't do it. So then I had to wait a half hour because they had to get the scale to weigh the lift and so forth as a world record. So I wanted to do more weight. But by the time they could get the thing done and so forth, it was 20 minutes later, I, I tried 720, couldn't quite get it up. Then I went to the bodybuilding show. So I was kind of, a, you know, at that point in time, I became an instant celebrity because I was pulling these weights that people hadn't done before, and I had no idea that I could, it was going to be that good. Uh, yeah. It was kind of fun. Yeah, it sounds <laughs> it. So, wait, you said that they weigh, did they weigh the bar or did they weigh you? No, what they do is they weigh, no, what they have to do, if it, when, back then when you, the, the weights were not, no one knew I was going to, I was going to do a little record, so they didn't pre-weight the weights. They weren't like calibrated So what they have plates. to do is they have to come back in, even when they calibrate the end sometimes, it, it can be off sometimes. So you, they. And a real, real record back then, every time you pull a real record or something in a, in a meet, they'd weigh it right then, okay? Just in case the weights weren't quite right. right so a fraction forth, of a you know, pound. Could, yeah, so they, they had to weigh it every time. Uh, normally the scale was right there. This guy had to go out and get the scale someplace else. So, uh, you know, you know, I went to meet one time. In 1976, I, when I pulled the 735, I also uh, just missed locking out 765. Uh, and but me before that I went to I went to the, the national three months before that called the junior nationals and I pulled up 730 
we found out later on that it was actually 770 because all the weights were new weights, and when they weighed them later on, they were the, the 100 pound plates were five pounds over, you know. So, uh, but obviously, you don't get the record because you couldn't do it at that point. So, I left there. A lot of us that in that meet in 1976 was at Cleveland YMCA, and it was not air conditioned. We'd warm up downstairs and walk up two flights of stairs to lift. It was <laughs> very interesting. So, anyway, uh, a lot of guys are cramping up. They had a brand new bar called the Elite Bar. Um, and it was from Texas, yep. okay? And I'm a pretty good squatter too, but we were all, a lot of guys were bombing up the squat because we thought the bar, you know, was was someone with the bar, didn't have any, any play in the bar, okay? We found out later that all 100 pound plates are five pounds heavy, so a guy's squatting here to pounds, is gonna, he's gonna have, you know, a, a lot of 100 pound plates on this, he could be off 20, 30 pounds. So anyway, but that's why I'm saying they, they weigh the weights now before the meet. Yeah. They also weigh the weights after you set the record we used to because, you know, maybe some person changed weight, something like that, okay? So, you know, it was always been done that way. Uh, you know, back then, was was nice about back then, in my opinion, we just had one federation, okay? USP, United States Public Federation. So when you won something, you knew you were number one, okay? I mean, right. I knew and it I, wasn't the number one uh, knee wraps or the number one in this, that, or? Everybody had, everybody could knee wraps and a belt and that was it. Yep. And we had one federation, then we had one world championship, USPL, uh, USPF, uh, anyway, uh, w, I'm sorry, WPF. So, you know, when I won the worlds and I won the nationals, I knew that I was the best guy, okay? Uh, yeah, undisputed, really, you know, because there was only one. Yeah, you know, today it's kind of like, you know, pick the association and go set some records. Uh, and I think that, in certain ways, hurts the sport because all of those federations are started for one reason, for money. The person that starts it wants his own federation. To take money He wants another. to run the meets. He wants to get the, get the fees and so forth from people. And he, he wants to sell equipment and so forth, okay? You know, the, the um, and, I, and, and I know Ernie France is a nice guy. But I, I wrote an article, I mean, Matty Sir, in 1980, when I was also a U.S. Uh, athlete rep. Uh, Larry Pacifico, bombed out. He won nine years in a row, he won the Worlds. And in the, in the uh, Nationals that year, he called on a second attempt for a five-pound jump. The rules are if you call a five-pound jump, okay, on an attempt, that becomes your third attempt. You can only, you, you gotta go both the five-pound. You have to take one of the five-pound. So if you, if you do one attempt, you go for a five-pound jump, that's Cost your last you one. That's your last. He did that, so he, he, he couldn't get, that, that, then he, he ended up, uh, you know, he couldn't get enough weight the next, next time, so he couldn't, it was his last attempt, so he lost that, okay? So Larry got together with, with not, Larry was a great lifter. Okay? Larry Pacifico, he's, folks, one of the greatest. Oh yeah, yeah. He, he was, was. He won nine years in a row. He won it at ninety-eight, at two forty-two and two twenty. Okay, he was unbelievable. Uh, in nineteen seventy-six in California, he was a, he, he squatted seven hundred five, pulled seven hundred five, and bench five twenty-five. Nineteen thirty-five, and that's with just the knee wraps in the belt. Nobody okay. was benching five twenty-five then. Okay. Right. But anyway. With a T-shirt. So what happened because he bombed out? He, he got with with with, with, with Ernie France, and they decided they're going to start another federation. Fred Hatfield too, right? And no, he was coming a little bit later. Oh, yeah. So so he ended up suing to get another federation to be able to compete with their federation at the World Championship. So the World Championships, we had two U.S. organizations. Okay, we had the Ernie's APF, and we had the USPF at, at that competition. 
And I wrote an article back then. Uh, <coughs> still got it. And there's a magazine called US, USA Powerlifting, and uh, said that this is going to be going to ruin the sport. Everybody have a federation. And sure as hell, we are now. There's probably ten or fifteen of them. There's more than that. 20, right? 20, 20, 30. And, I have no you know, idea. And so, you know, it, to me, it, it's hard because th that means that no one person can say, "I am the the the, the best." Period. Okay. Uh, so that that's not helped the sport. There's so many variables. Well, the, so, yeah, the, the amount of I like to have a choice, but I mean, it's gotten out of control. Yeah, and just hearing about you know. Uh, there was a USAPL meet this uh, week in Dover, New yeah. Hampshire, mm -hmm. and uh, just hearing like the, I'm, there was a, uh, someone who I follow on uh, social media bombed out of his bench for touching his wrist straps on the way to the bench. They didn't let him get on it. Really? Didn't even let him, you can't touch your belt, you can't touch your wrist straps. I didn't know that, but I mean that's. That's when it's gone too far that, that way. Just, just, and I think that, you know, did they have yeah. to go to that extreme to differentiate yeah. themselves from the the next federation? That's you know? when it gets too, too far the other way. Yeah. But I was going to say, uh, Carl Snitkin that he mentioned, yep. over the years, I think I started at 220. And I'd find this, I'd get a hero at 220. I'd say, Marty, I'm going to be like him. And he'd say, yeah, whatever. And then one year I went to 242. And I said, Marty, I'm going to be like Carl Snitkin. <laughs> he said, whatever. And then I'd go to 75 and I'd find some guy like Marty, I'm going to be like this guy. He said, yeah, okay, go. Just the go. first guy he came in the gym, I was at USM training. He was at the main gym back then. He walked in one day and he said I was 21. He 22. had a picture of, of Doug Young. That's right. Doug Young, Doug Young was, was an animal. We, see, back then there was no 220s. The first couple of years in the 70s, there was no 275s. So, you know, you if you're going to be, if you weigh 210, you better be, lose weight be 98, okay? Because 242, <laughs> you weigh 30 pounds. Yeah. Then two, 242 to the, you know, the, Super heavyweights well, used to work. So this Doug, Doug Young, who was, a who was a massive guy, he was the first guy at 242 with a bench by 600 pounds. With okay. a t-shirt. With a t-shirt. Okay. What year was that? 1972. Jesus. Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Now, his brother, okay, was a was a uh, all-pro lineman for the St. Louis Cardinals, offensive lineman. Bob they, they were just They were just big people. There's something genetic there. But if you I go back say. and you check the records, there was a guy named Jim Williams, who in 1972, when I went to the Worlds in 72, Jim Williams bench pressed, okay, 675. He just missed 700 pounds. And back then, the uprights on the bench, they were just basically York, York They were bench. on the, they were the home ones, you know, they, the home they were, benches. They, were, they, they might have been about, you know, two feet apart, okay? So you, he's laying on the bar on the bench, 325 pounds on the little bench. With the weight on the bar, I myself, I think the bench might break. Okay. <laughs> but he, if you ever go back and, you know, you check him You can Google him, so Jim forth, Williams, too. Him and a guy named uh, John Cox trained together, okay? K-U-C, John and, Cox, and John, another all-time. John Cox started out that year, and I went to, went, went to the Worlds that year. John Cox was the first guy to squat 900 pounds. He squatted 905, and he buried the weight, okay? If you go back and check... Raw. If you go back and check all the records... John Cock at 242 pounds, deadlift at 876 in about 1980, okay? That's still the world record, okay? And that was back then, okay? 876. Uh, fantastic athlete. He won, he, he won the Worlds at 242. He had to drop down to super heavyweight because he was having permanent blood pressure, okay? So he, he dropped down. And at 242, he's the first guy to total 2,200 raw. Right, that's, that's crazy. insane. So yeah. you know these, these I mean, that's guys, crazy now. It's pretty good now. 
Raw, raw, raw it's good now. Well, raw, I mean, uh, it's not bad geared, but... Yeah. I mean, that's so, what Scott just did, right? Scott just did 22-something gear. You know, back back then, what I see different today is, is that back then, you would compete against the weight, okay? It's just you against the weight, okay? And the average person that goes to a gym could relate to what you're doing because they bench press just a T-shirt on, okay? Yeah. So if you see a guy bench 400 pounds, they can say, well, I can kind of relate to that, so I can... And there'll, there'll be a lot more folks coming to the meets because they can relate to it, Okay. Now the guy's got a bench shirt on, three or four layers, you know, whatever it's going to be, two layers, whatever it's going to be, he's going to bench a thousand pounds, well, the average guy can relate to that. No, I've always kind of made the comparison that, like, if you were to tell someone, hey, I bench 500 pounds or 400 pounds, but wow, that's really impressive. But when you tell someone that, oh, I bench a thousand pounds, it's like a circus act. You can't even comprehend yeah. the, that amount of weight, benching it, you know, people just, you know, if you tell someone, hey, I watched somebody bench 600 pounds in the gym tonight, mm -hmm. or I watched somebody bench 900 pounds in the mm -hmm. gym tonight, it, it, the reaction is the same because it's such they a can't large, imagine. they can't even comprehend it. So I do agree with you there that you hear the, you know, when you see someone bench 400 and just t-shirt on a, on you know, no handoff, good. Yeah. good pause, nice and smooth, you're like, wow. You, you can compare that to yourself and it, I think it's a, it hits home a little, a little more. And the other thing is that with the gear, you, you have to know about geared powerlifting to appreciate Correct. powerlifting. It's not like you could just watch a basketball game and enjoy it. You've got you to gotta know a little bit about it to understand the technique and all the intricacies and everything. Yep. So anyway, I, I dig up a picture of Doug Young because I decided I'm going to be a 275er now. Yep. And I bring it in. Oh, yeah. And he says, yeah, here, take your picture. Go. <laughs> so I'm curious. So you said 76... You're 21. No, this is into the 80s. Doug Young was even bigger by then. Okay, so when you were, what's the age difference between you guys? 10 uh, years. 10 years, yeah. Okay, so how did you, did you guys meet through in the gym? I met him at the Old Port Fitness Center. I was playing football at UMaine. Yep. And somebody said something about the team, and he looked over and he said, you guys are having a tough time up there, aren't you? And I said, yeah. And then we get talking about powerlifting, and he said, well, meet me here Saturday. And uh, this was a Nautilus club with a dingy weight room in the basement, remember? He said, meet me Saturday, I'll show you the three lifts. So that was I pretty was much the end of my football career. Hooked. I played one more year, Yeah. and uh, I switched to powerlifting. So how did you get into, how did you find, I mean, you... you well, I, I was, I was, I, lived, I played football in high school. I played a little bit of college, and I played some football. And I always lifted weights to, to play football. But I, as I started lifting weights, I found my passion for weights better than more than football. Uh, I really, there's a guy named Peter Erskine uh, that, that I met years ago, and I was always fairly strong. Uh, and I was training with him one day, and, and he says, try the deadlift, and I pulled 510. And he said to me, well, you want to go to the state? And I said, yeah, but, but Peter, I don't. This was in November, it was in December. I said, Peter, I don't even squat. Right. He said, well, you know, you, you want to go try it, okay? So I went there and I, you know, and I thought, and, you know, I'm very competitive, so I'd only pulled 520 in practice. And now the guy and I, they are getting cross. His brother owns, his uh, Royce Cross owns Cross Insurance Agency. No oh, kidding. He's a powerlifter. He's one of my clients now. No, no kidding. We, we, we met back then. Him, he's got another brother, okay, with a little better deal than Royce was. And as we met back, back there at that meet, and I have, you know, we kept pulling. I, lost, I ended up pulling 600 pounds that day. On your first meet? My first meet. And so it was kind of like, oh, he's not, he's pretty good at that deadlift. You hmm. know? So anyway, that's how it kind of started. And I said myself, I, I like this, okay? So I want to do more. But I was also bodybuilding. I was in the bodybuilding. So 
in 72, when, you know, I don't, this in 70, that was 70, 71, I did the meet, I won the state meet and all the stuff, but I also, went, I got second in bodybuilding to Skip Robinson. So in 1972, I, and I was winning 195, and I just got to lose weight to get a little hotter, so I went down to 181, and I was very fortunate because I ended up winning the England's powerlifting, the world records in 72, but also won Mr. England, and in April, I won Mr. Maine. But there's a guy, guy you won't even know the name, there's a guy named Ed Juvenville from, from Holyoke, Mass. And he used to have these meets in Holyoke, a mountain park in Holyoke, Mass. And you'd compete in bodybuilding, plus there'd be an odd lift. So you'd, before the meet, there was one odd lift, uh, make your body weight do overhead military presses. One was bench press, uh, you know, 50 pounds of your body weight. Another was deadlift two times your body weight. So I happened to win all three of those that summer. But Ed Juvenville, for years, was the head chef of Olympia. Mr. Olympia. Okay, okay, so there's a book called, uh, uh, a movie called... Uh, Pumping Iron. Pumping Iron is also a book. I got a picture in the book. In the he, he's, in the, he's in the movie. You can see him in the movie but as anyway, well. anyway, you know that that's on Netflix and it's like... The if you watch the line, there's a lineup of, of bodybuilders and you can see him in it. That is, without a doubt, the most famous weightlifting movie. Yeah, Marty's in the, in the lineup so in the movie. So Skip and I were, you know, compared to Russell Actually, you can friends. see Skip too if you know okay. him. So, so Skip and I decided we got to learn more about this going on. So we decided to go out of state. In the summer of 71, and we did about six, seven meets in a row, you know, in, in the, during a period of time, all over New England to meet people. Went to Holyoke Mass. Well, this Ed Jumbill, who was the head, of, head, head, head judge for Miss Olympia, he had three meets. And, and the, the, uh, uh, the weekend of, uh, in May, in the May, he would have the uh, East Coast Championships, okay? Bodybuilding. Bodybuilding. And then in July, he would have the Junior Mr. America, IFBB. And then in the September, he would have the uh, New England Championships. And Arnold would come up to the But right? since he was Mr. Olympia, he had asked guys to guest pose. So Frank Zane came. I don't know his name and so forth. Oh, yeah. Frank Zane came. Uh, Louis Farino came. Mike Katz came. Mike, they all came. And I had a good fortune. Ed and I became pretty good friends. So I'd stay at Ed's house, and he'd invite these guys in for the weekend, and so I'd meet these guys. So it was, it was Ed fun. was a wonderful okay. guy. It was a great. Ed, see, Ed used to manufacture, used to manufacture weights, equipment. Okay. Powerlifting equipment. And what he used to do is, is he did all. He used to manufacture equipment for Joe Weider, and he, and Weider would, would put his name on it and sell it through his magazine. Yeah. So <coughs> my first set of weights was from Joe Weider. They were little gold, yeah. gold yeah. paintings. So but Arnold would be there too, right? Arnold would be there. Yeah. So yeah. we got pictures. Arnold would be right in Holyoke, Mass. It's crazy. But you know, so it was different. Time, he was you know, is it? You know, and, and and that if you look at that pump and iron. Some of the, some of the, the in the in the magazine itself, the book, some of the shots are right in, in, in Mountain Park and Holy Mass, okay, under the IFBB Federation. So and then in some in in, in, in guest posing. So that's the way it got started back then. So I was doing both for quite a while, and finally I recognized that I went to California for a short period of time. So myself, you know what? I got a great career in banking and so forth. I'm not going to spend my full time being a bodybuilder. So I said I'm going to just give this up. And this new power going forward, because uh, I could do that on my own terms. Bodybuilding requires you to have a lot of people. You got you got to be nice to, okay, to get where you want to get to, okay. And that's kind oh, yeah. of that's not my that's not my personality. You just want to uh, lift weights. And he likes to eat. I want to lift weight, eat, and I want to tell you if you want to say to you know go to hell, I say go to hell. Because okay? he will. Yeah. <laughs> See, the thing, when you lift when you lift weights, you do a deadlift, okay. Either you do it or you don't do it, okay. You know, bodybuilding is very subjective. All right. I could not but agree. Powerlifting, you know, the, the the toughest lifting and the and the powerlifting is squats because you got to you know, what what's the right depth, okay? But the bench press pretty easy to judge. Either either you, you pause it and lock it out, deadlift, you, you bring it, you pick it up, lock your knees out, your shoulders, and there it is, okay? The squats always been the one that is a, a lot of you know, judgmental issues with it, okay? 
Uh, but anyway. But the bodybuilding is. Uh, but, so for me, the powerlifting is very is very pure and clean. Okay. Yeah, there's nothing exactly. You could be the most hated person at the meet and still win. Yeah. If you're. But we put on a lot of bodybuilding meets together. We, remember, I'm not going to say any names, but they a couple of people took their trophies and threw them in the trash one night. Really? Because they didn't win. Yeah, yeah we leave that alone. I used to run meets at USM for years, and you know, Maddie, would you tell me out? I used to run a, and I'd have that meet, and it sounded crazy, but he'll he'll tell you, I'd have two thousand people there. Okay. For the night, we'd have two thousand people. What year is this? Ten oh, years. I, I, I ran the meets from nineteen seventy eight to nineteen ninety one at USM. The, the reason being that we had one federation of bodybuilding, we had one federation of powerlifting. Okay, all those people come my my meet at USM. Okay, and so I'd have a hundred lifters. Using you know in the daytime, I'd run the I'd run the class from 114 to 181 in the morning, with two platforms, with not the round system, but the bar going up one time. In the afternoon, I do 198s, okay, and after I get that all done, each one in, in three hours, you know, you know, nine to noon, and then like one to four or five. I'll clean the gym out and so forth, and have physique people come in. I also clear the audience out and bring them back. They pay a second you know a, a second fee to, to watch the bodybuilding, but it was not very. To the evening. But while the powerlifting was going on, we had the prejudging going on in the yeah, basement. In the basement. So, but I, all those people, you get 100 lifters there, you get under 50 people to bodybuild, okay? And, you know, and they bring people, and, you know, we used to have people advertising the program and so forth and all that kind of stuff, so it worked out pretty well. Uh, and you, you can run those meets very efficiently, but the thing is, it was the only, it was the biggest event in the state of Maine for weightlifting and bodybuilding at that, it was in April. And, uh, and the night show would have know, two, three thousand people. I don't so, know if folks know what prejudging is in, in bodybuilding. Well, prejudging is where it's kind of what matters. It's right? pretty much done by then. And after everything else is kind of just, just the evening posing might have a little effect, but it's a little uh, flair. If anything, but right? the prejudging was done, and then we'd have the night show with two or three thousand people attending it. But I wanted to get into the Mr. Odocha Beach in a minute because there was there would be thirty thousand people. That's well, where I also, this that's is where uh, Mount Mount Holyoke Park. That's me and him at the Ed Jubenville. Oh, no, man, got show and tell. He also put on the. Ed, this guy at Jubenville that he's talking about put on the New England Strongest Man contest that Marty Marty did a couple times. I only did it once, but that's at the same place where Arnold and all these guys were. So I brought that. You don't. You got a copy of that? I do. Oh, that's okay. awesome. You could tell that you were the bodybuilder because you're much more tan. <laughs> <laughs> Look a little pale yeah. there, Matty. Yeah. Nah, that's a great photo. Yeah. So that's that's right where those guys all were. That's awesome. I'm gonna have to take photos of that to yeah. stick it on the uh, for the uh, Instagram. Page. That's fine. But last week we were talking about the the, the tug of war, the tug of war, and the bodybuilding Mr. Old Orchard Beach contest. And I told him we couldn't charge for for people to watch. We charge for the entries, but there would be thirty or forty thousand people around that uh, stage because well, we had an aerial view yeah. of it. Well, in, in California, was in California, there was there was a Muscle Beach. And that's what Matt said. He said, "How about a Muscle Beach thing?" I said, "Well, we'll tell you about that with Matt." And so, what, when I was out there, I saw it, and I used to run these meets. And I, I my goal was is that I want to put, you know, back in the sport that treated me so well because I, you know, it, to me, it, when I was a kid, you know, and I lived away to play football and so forth, they gave me the extra strength to play ball and so forth. And also, what it did is, is that I was kind of as a pain in the ass as a young fellow. Okay, <laughs> I was always in trouble. And, you know, lifting weights is you set goals and you come up with the goals. That experience for me was life-lasting, okay? You know, I became the president of one of the biggest banks in the state. But everything to me was kind of like, 
I mean, lift weights, I said to myself, listen, that guy's got no more muscle, no more bones than I got. If he can do it, I can do it, okay? Yeah, right. Uh, but then when you set the goals, so you learn how to set goals when you're young lifting weights, okay? So that, that ability to set goals, okay, you know, the rest of your life works. I mean, Royce Cross, Cross Insurance Agency, right? You probably don't know this, but they're the biggest one there in New England. If you go look at the, if you go look at the scoreboard at Cedar Celtics, they're on a scoreboard there. And they're on a scoreboard for the Patriots, okay, the Red Sox. Well, okay. they got the Cross Insurance Agency. They got the Cross Insurance Well, but, but they started as a one little little company, okay, 30, 40 years ago, okay, in Bangor, Maine. And they kept buying people out along the way. But same way, Royce has got this all the time. You know, he's one of my clients. How old is that guy? Uh, Royce is like 65. Oh. Okay. Royce Cross. Royce Cross. He's, he's the president of the company up there. But we talked, you know, we used to, used to years ago, this, you know, different different paths right now, but uh, Bob Hoffman used to have the principles of life, okay? Eight hours sleep, don't eat sugar, stuff like that. So when Royce and I email back and forth, you know, he'll give me some little tidbit, okay? Uh, but these, you know, going back then, you know, it's like protein. We used to have these protein tablets that were like hush pills and chewing and so forth, okay? Very raw back They were made by Bob Hoffman. But the, but the guy that started this whole thing was not Joe Weedy, it was Bob Hoffman. Joe Weedy came from Canada, and he, 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 he used to have a distribution channel in New Jersey because Bob Hoffman was in, was in York, Pennsylvania. And then in about the, oh, probably, I don't know, 65, 67, he went to California. Now, you probably don't know these names, but there's a guy named Dave Draper. They call the Bond Blomber. Bon, okay. Bond Bomber. He was the guy before. Surfer dude in the he, he yes, was, you know, okay. the movies. He was, he 60s was, movies. Yeah, he was he was before Arnold. Okay, then he also trained with Arnold at the same time. He was the first guy on on, on the uh, Johnny Carson show stuff like that. So he went out to run the warehouse for Weeder out in California. So Weeder took the path that I'm going to do the bodybuilding thing and sell my equipment, and Hartman was doing the heavy lifting thing. But anyway, going back to quickly to so all I should be, a friend of mine, George Kerr, bought the Surf 6 in 1977. Came to me and said, Marty, I need help getting people. Can you run some meats for me in the summertime? I said, sure. So the first Saturday of, the, of August was always the, the physique. But before the physique, we used to do the bench press competition. Same okay. day. Same day in the morning. The bench competition, though, was, was hard lifting. What it was, the, the women would bench press 25 pounds less than their body weight from, for reps. For reps. Teenagers would do would do the body weight, and the men would do 50 pounds over their weight. Okay? For reps. For, for reps. reps. The person with the most reps would, would win, okay? So if a girl weighed 125 pounds, she'd use 100 pounds. Mm -hmm. the, if the teenager weighed 150, he used 150. the guy weighed 180, he'd use 230. So we'd have that, you know, in the, in the morning from like, you know, say 10 to noon. And at noontime, we had a physique. And we just, right on the beach, right in front of the sort of six left on the sofa. And we, we would get, you know, there would be... 50,000 people, they would do up, up in the deck, up, up in the... We had an aerial shots so of it that you know, they estimated. Like that. It was 50,000 people. How do we do that today? That would be so incredible. The first Saturday was, was that. <laughs> this, this, the second Saturday was the armrestling competition. Because my buddy Jugendville already mentioned, I also wanted me to do armrestling. So I did an armrestling meet there. And the third was the tug of war. So I did it for years. But then I got married, finally. And uh, I was working in Boston. for ba Bank of Boston bought a bank when the bar closed. Come back. And my wife said, listen, you can't be going down the beach to run these meets, you know, because it gets a little complicated in my, my, my personal life. Mm -hmm. So I stopped in 1991. I got more people calling me. You can't stop that meet because, you know, from New York, New Jersey, all come up. They come up on Saturday for the meet. 
Any ideas? They'd stay overnight. They stayed at the beach. It so must have been great there. for business. We, we used to spend we, the weekends yeah, there. Spend the weekend. I'll tell you how it used to go when I get into this. We trained Friday night yep. at USM. USM was the biggest place in town to train. Go back in Saturday morning, train again, and go right to the Surf Six, the beach, the bar on the beach. Stay there all afternoon. Go home. No training Saturday afternoon. Go right back Sunday all day. And stay there. Everybody from the gym was all in front of that bar. It was That's a little mini muscle beach. The ghosts are still there if you go down there. You can see the ghosts. Well, George Kerr <laughs> videotaped all of these. Okay. Yeah, George has photographs. So if you want to, I mean, we got to get some. We his, get his, his daughters train here, the two brunettes. I think you've seen them. Well, we got to track down those photos or the videos. I would love He's to got see three that, especially books. the aerial ones. The aerial one, you'll see, there's 50,000 people watching that stage. That is insane. I mean, God. So anyway, the, the one time at the arm wrestling, Marty says, you keep an eye on this, do that. I'm, you know, I'm, whatever he said, I did. Yep. He says, look, we're one short. You need to be in it. <laughs> so I had to, I had to enter it. How'd you have that look, There's a trophy out there. You got it? I got a trophy for arm wrestling. Ruined my shoulder. I was going to say, how'd your shoulder Destroyed do it? Destroyed it, and I never did it again. You remember that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, we, we back then we all would try different things, okay? It wasn't just about I'm going to do this one thing. You know, we did the Tiger War thing. We wanted to know. be strong in every facet. We did the, there we was. Did the strongman competitions, you know, stuff like that. You know, do I do the art lifting thing. You know, we just wanted to be. Bob Hoppin had a saying, okay? <coughs> Bob Hoppin said, build usable muscles, okay? Now, you know, years ago, and most of you guys are too young, too young for this, but. In the, in the 60s, okay, to be the AU Mr. America, you had to compete overhead lifting first, okay? You got points for three things. Overhead lifting, symmetry, and posing. So there's a guy named Sergio Oliva, okay? Probably the greatest, greatest body of all time, okay? Never heard Arnold of him? says that, I've heard okay? It, yeah, Arnold Sergio. says that. Arnold says that he was, had a better body. That he was better than Arnold. Than Arnold, okay? But he's from Cuba. A guy named Bob Geiger beat him out that year for bodybuilding because he was a better lifter than Sergio was, okay? Because he got more points. That's when that that's that, that's when eventually when, when Joe Weider said, look, I'm going to have a federation, IFBB, International Federation of Bodybuilding, okay? Solely bodybuilders, okay? Yeah, you, you, you got to lift and do this, okay? Now, at first I thought Weider was right, you know, should make break his separate and so forth, okay? But now today, these guys that have won these Olympic stuff like that, they can't walk 100 yards without losing their breath, okay? They have no flexibility, they, so they've not built usable muscle. Right. And the average person looked at those guys as a, as a freak. You know what they're at. When you go back, you know, 30, 40 years ago, the average person would like these people because, yeah, they're big, but they were still very, you know, uh, flexible. They could do a lot of different things, okay? Yeah, they still had functional and, and, muscle. You know, they're flexible. So yeah, I'm back now, I'm old, and I say, you know what, Bob Hoffman was right. I was wrong back then. He was right. Build usable muscle, okay? And, and, you know, these guys today, you're not doing that, these bodybuilders, okay? But and I, yeah, and I, and we, I, we were I doing think, all of it. You know? Even the Olympic lifts I get, yeah. I had to do right. for the uh, strongman. You snatch? It wasn't a snatch, it was okay. a, a jerk, clean, clean, clean and jerk. But we had reps. to do it for reps. Wow. Two, uh, yeah, you, you, we had, you, it was... We I had to do 250. It was called 250 for reps? Yeah. yeah, it was all based on body It was based upon push press. Push so press, it, but you could split it if you want. Right. I, so, I did you know, 18 back, reps back then, with Back then, we, we had the strongest men come to back then. The, the events were you throw tires, different size. For body weight. On your body weight, okay? For distance. Distance. You had 100-pound dumbbells, okay? 
100 yard dash with a 100 pound. Well, I had to use 125. You, so you, yeah, you, you could use them either carry them in your hand, put them on your shoulders. Okay. Anyway, anything to get them up you the know, hill? You know, no, it was straight. straight. You, know, to, you kind of just carry me the way, on your shoulders when you, when you grip, okay? Yeah. And then and then, then you had the, the uh, uh, bench press for reps. But you had the, had the deadlift for reps. The deadlift for reps. Uh, you had to do curls. Curls, 225. Okay. 225? You know. To, because you had a, you're testing, you, you were testing your, your grip strength, okay? So all those together were great. So I used to train at USM out front of the building, running up and down the, the, the walkway with 100-pound plates because yeah. I was one of the few guys, you know, I, I could pull 700 pounds, my grip was great. Most most guys, what limits them in the deadlift is not their back, it's their grip. Oh, yeah, okay? absolutely. You see that a lot. So when I did the, the first strong man thing, I was very fast, and I grabbed 100-pound pound dumbbells in my hand, okay? And just took off so like the wind. groceries. When you, on your, when you put them on your shoulders, it's much harder to run. Anyway, so but we had all kinds of stuff back then. It made a lot of fun. But we would run around the. We trained by running around the outside of the gym down there. That's awesome. Yeah. So we've gone 40 minutes into this yeah. podcast yeah. without even talking about your powerlifting numbers specifically. So I know Maddie told me you you have the the deadlift is 738, 736 was what it was. It was pounds back then. So my deadlift record is 735. So how about uh, these? My, my best score was 685, and I benched 405 at 181. Wow. Those are numbers that would still first, second, third place today in any at na- in dis- Anywhere in Maine. Yeah. In the Nationals. Absolutely. Raw. Yeah. You know, back when I, when I was back then, back then, the big thing was who would like be the first eight. person to ten, the total 10, pounds, 10 times body weight? And the first guy to do that was Anaba from, from uh, Japan. Yeah. He lifted in, in, in the 123s, okay? So he's super light. Super light, yeah. Super sumo. I thought yeah. 81, I had totaled 1750. You were right there. In 19, you know, 80, 1972, and I thought I might be able to get to that number, but I, I didn't. I, I ended up getting hurt for a couple of years, and my back was hurt. I, anyway, but, you know, so, uh, you know, the, what I learned over the years is I probably trained too hard. We had no idea back then what to do, so we just trained harder. I was training six days a week, uh, but anyway. So, so I, my best, I, I squatted six eighty-five, bench four hundred five, and I, squ- I did at seven thirty-five. Uh, you know, at, ni- at ninety-eight, I I, I pulled uh, seven fifty, but it's not the state record because back then we had a rule that it's like today in in, in Maine. If you want to if you want to set a state meet and track, you have to do it at the state meet. Right. Okay. You can't do it at a, just a regular meet. Well, Ernie or, Gilbert was a big track guy. He was also the chairman of lifting back here, back then. So Ernie said that I want you guys coming to meet, so you can't get the records coming to meet. So I didn't pull the 750 at a state meet. Okay. But I pulled it at the national, which is probably. Or it would still be standing meet. where. But anyway, no 738. Just, but that was a pretty good rule back then. We wanted to get. You know, I didn't go to state meets a lot back then, to be quite frank, because I felt as though that a lot of folks didn't want me there because if I went there, it's an automatic win for me, best lifter. In, and the guy didn't have much shot at that, so I wouldn't go very often. Uh, but anyway, so that's, that was my best list back then. Those are those are incredible lifts. So I I said that the last time around there, where a guy a guy gave him a handoff in training and pulled it out of his hands and dropped it on him, broke his ribs. Yeah, Frank. Yeah, Parker. Yeah, I predicted that he was going to pull eight hundred because you weighed about two twenty then. I think if he'd made that to that meet, he'd have pulled eight hundred. Somebody dropped. Yeah, I trained a guy named Kevin Parker. He's about six foot four, six five. His brother played for the <laughs> Seattle Sonic basketball team, and you know I used to do him bench for reps, and he <coughs> he's give me give me a handoff, okay, and 
you know, I never got my hands on the bow when he let go of it. It should never happen. Hit my chest, and I, you know, I think he had 800 cracked my ready. rib. I bought a bar years ago. I used to have a gym myself. I, I bought a stainless steel bar, and I trained in that because I thought when I when I when I pulled that 770, but it wasn't official lift because it was the weights were off anyway. Mm -hmm. I said maybe I can do it 800 pounds, okay? But you know you only you only young once, mm -hmm. so you know. <laughs> but I tied up to 31, 32. The injury was starting to mount up, so I couldn't I couldn't do it. I pulled I pulled before this when he saw about the in the gym back then. I had the bench press issue. I had doubled in the gym, 735 in the devil. Wow. And when I double it, I don't bounce the weight. I set it down each time and reset, okay? Because when you, when you bounce the weight, it's not the same. Absolutely, right? yeah. It's a different so, movement. And I knew then I could always do 50 pounds more than, than my double, so I think I'm at 785. right there. But you know what? It's all great conversation. I didn't do it. Right. Okay? That's, <laughs> Speculation. I did not do it, okay? Uh, so, but. So he's a tough coach, I can tell you that. Yeah, so you mentioned that you you train some people now. How where do you where do you oh, train? I just have some kids over at, at, at the factory fitness. I do some over. I have kids over there. I I trained a lot of people over the years. I had a a, a lady, uh, Pat Damon, was a world champion. I, I trained several people to become world champions. Danny Hamlet became a world champion. Uh, but I'm kind of a pain in the ass when I train people. You, if you if you're not if you don't take it as a challenge, he's not the coach for you. Because he used to tell me. You know that sucked. I like that. Oh yeah, me too. I don't, wanna, I don't want to. I don't want to hear what yeah, I'm doing. Because I want to show Marty the next time. Yeah, you know the, the thing is, is that I used to write articles years ago for the magazines, and it, and I always tell people, listen, you 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 got to what I call C and P. Okay, you got to be you got to train consistently. When you get in the gym, you be persistent up to your goals. Okay, you can't walk in the gym and just smell the air and say, well, I'm here. Okay. What should I do today? You know. Yeah. You know, you got to always have a goal for yourself. You got to write it. I get my work as I've written down for since 1972, and my goals. Then always get there, but I had goals all the time, and that makes a big difference because, you know, there's a Greek mythology that the guy used to have a little baby bull, and every day he'd lift it up, and eventually when the when when the bull was full grown, he could lift it. Okay. Yeah. If you have a little the right approach <laughs> on this stuff, okay. I like that. You can do that. I mean, I used to have these. I used to have. You'll know this. I had these one and a quarter pound plates on a shoestring. So to get it to two and a half pounds, when I couldn't add five pounds, I'd add two and a quarter, okay? Got to add something, okay? And, you know, it makes a difference. You know, most people I talk to, I say, listen, when you approach a new weight, don't approach it as a, it's, 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 it's a personal best, okay? If you're adding five pounds, look at those two and a half pound plates. Say, you know what, two and a pound plate each side, I can do that. Find a reason why you can do it. Don't get in this idea of Austin, my best ever, okay? And, and so that's why you cycle all the time. You cycle. When you first start to cycle on a routine, you only last a couple of weeks doing new weights, okay? You're building a positive momentum, okay, both in your head and your physique, okay? To say, though, I'm going to go, uh, the last couple of weeks will be my new records, okay? But I've had 10 weeks of, I've had a 12 week cycle of successes. Why can't I do two more successes? If you just gain each cycle 20 pounds, three times you gain 60 pounds. Okay, I've got the first so, program he wrote for me yeah. on the legal pad. Yeah, so that that routine, I used to give guys, it works. Okay, and then you after after you go twelve weeks, ten weeks, you got as you get older, you got to make a shot of cycle. But after you go 10, 12 weeks, a couple weeks you don't do nothing. Your body's burnt for a bit, you know. So you try to keep doing that. You know, we stopped years ago in lifting. Everybody would say, "Well, I, I got to look at my bad rhythms." Okay. 
Well, my problem with that is, is that you know you can't count on having your best bar rhythms. Okay, the day that when day. you say bar rhythm, do you no, mean bio like rhythms. bio rhythms? Okay. Oh, okay. That used to be a big thing. It used to be a big thing. Okay, but you check out your bio rhythm and so forth, and figure out when you they're going to be at the peak and go to the meet. Well, I said to myself, yeah, that's great, but they're not going to set their meet date based upon your bio, bio rhythms. Okay, so you better be ready you know, to lift. Yeah. Uh, so when you when you train, the next thing about training is that. You have to take your brain and turn it into a light switch, okay? I tell guys all the time, you know, you, you, you have a, a, a car that, a, a, a car that, a standard shift, okay? You know in first gear, it's gonna go 20 miles, okay? And then it's, okay. You go to third gear, you're gonna go to 60, okay? Well, your brain can be the same way. You know, I you train all the time, guys say to me, well, you see me, the, the devil say, easy, that 500 pound looks heavy, okay? I never pull any fast, everything's slow. But I get my mind in the, the gears, okay? You're only in third. Okay, you were in the third gear, okay? And I've been in many meets with guys that know me, and I, I take my first tip and say, geez, he's all done. Yep. You know? That's what they usually say, poor Marty. You know? He's all done for the day. You know, it'd be like, you know, the hydraulic jack doesn't pull very fast, but it's nice to sturdy, okay? Anyway, so the whole, the, the whole thing in all, when you're training and so forth, is having the right mindset, having the right kind of workout, and keep pushing yourself to, I mean, to yourself. And it's amazing what you can do you just take nice, slow, steady progression. And uh, so, I'm assuming. Do you still lift today? I do. Yeah. How uh, how frequently now? Four days a week. Four days a week. Are you still doing kind of powerlifting stuff, or just kind of? Well, three years ago, I, I, I pulled five five. It's on it's on YouTube. So I'm take a picture. I, I pulled five twenty three. So you would have been. I would have been. Uh, oh, that was at our meet. No, it was at the one over there in. Oh, never mind. Yeah, that's right. Uh, at, at the Adela thing, it would have so been three. Oh, 67. sixty-seven, and you pulled five twenty-three. Wow, uh, that's awesome. Well, I'm not happy with it, but anyway, it was okay. I was trying to pull more that day. I went to five fifty, but I that's right. pulled my hamstring yep. up, and uh, I've had some back problems. I've had back problems the last ten or fifteen years, so I keep trying to get back to it. But I seem to get a certain weight in my back because I. You know, the thing is, is that if you, you know, you powerlifting is a way to abu abuse your body. To be quite mm -hmm. frank. Okay, you really aren't made to build up the power lift, okay? Mm -hmm. And no one gets out of this sport without having major, major problems. Tear a muscle, could be could tear your bicep, your pack, your leg bicep. Both the triceps. You know, you, 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 it's just your body gets worn out. But you know, you start out this sport, healthy reasons. Yeah. Then it becomes an obsession. Heavier weights is an obsession. Absolutely. You know, every time, I had, a, every time I, I had a world record, I go back home, I had the world record four or five different times, I go back home and say, now I'm planning the ne next cycle to pull more weight, okay? I mean, was, I, didn't, I didn't get much satisfaction maybe for two or three days. But most people who are able to do that, that's why they get better, okay? You don't really get the full satisfaction, so you keep pushing yourself. So I'm, I'm curious, you've been doing this for a very long time, yeah. and I've seen you at, I think, every meet that I've been to in the last two or three years. You're still lifting today. You're training people today. What uh, what keeps you interested? You know, as you get older, like what what uh, what what keeps that fire lit? Well, I, th I think it's the the magic that occurs when a man pushes on a weight, okay. And whether it's 30 years or 40 years or now, okay, whether it's geared or not geared, okay, seeing a person push against that weight to beat the weight, okay, is a very personal thing. When you've done that long enough, you still enjoy people see that, okay. You see the enthusiasm people have when they when they accomplish the goal when they make that weight, okay? And it's it's you know there's only two things in life you don't have an off day, okay? The clock 
in the way. If I'm playing basketball with somebody, having a bad day, they have a bad day, I might still, I might still win, okay? But if I approach that bar having a off day, the weight's gonna win. If I'm running to get a certain time, okay, the clock won't be, it's not gonna give me a different time, be the right time. So to me, it's kind of magical. Your man is really, you're pushing your ass the whole time, okay, to challenge yourself to just beat on that weight, okay? And there's nothing more personal than that. I've always said anybody trains with weights for a year, year and a half, and see the change in their body, they'll always have that feeling and that look, and they'll always come back to it, okay? Because there's nothing that changes your body, okay, than lifting weights, all right? You know, and once you get that feeling in your body and so forth, and you, you, you like that, you like the pump and so forth, you feel the fact, I used to squat, I'm squatting and so forth, but my jeans on, the jeans were tight, I'd, take, I'd walk, I could feel the leg muscles flexing, okay? Doesn't and that's that, the best feeling good? in the world. Doesn't that feel good? Yeah, absolutely. You know, Arnold had a saying years ago, okay, and it's true for this, but Arnold would say, listen, the only thing better than coming is, is pumping, okay? <laughs> oh, yeah, I said it in the movie. That is probably the most famous quote and, there and, is. And we have a saying, we have, we have a saying, okay, I tell guys all the time, listen, anybody can get laid, okay? Only a few guys can be, be a, a, a champion. Well, the state, national worlds, okay? So train first, get laid later, okay? There you go, young guy. The more you oh, man, the, that's the motto. The more you train harder, <laughs> the more you're going to get laid because you'll be in better shape and so forth. And, pe you know, people, women can relate to you being in shape, okay? Absolutely. You know, oh, we, used to, we used to sit on the beach in front of Orchard Beach, okay? We'd, 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 do the, we'd they'd play the records, pop. okay? We'd yep. do the peck pop stuff like that, right? Girls would be like, oh, jeez, can you do it again? You know, it's just, but it's, but once again, Nothing's going to change your body more than lifting weights. Okay, exercise with weights, okay, uh, is something that's going to give you a change to your body and a feel that nothing else will emulate that. And you're always going to come back and do that. It's, it's lifelong, and you, you're going to always enjoy that. Wow. I, mean, I, don't, I don't care if I go to the gym and I'm, I told a man, this guy, I squat 315 last night for set of eight. Back a little sore today. You did? Yeah. You know? When? Last night? Yeah, last night. So, But anyway, the point is, is that it's, even if it's not the way they wanted to squat, it still felt good to do it. I could then squat last night, my legs were nice and tight. You got that this satisfaction. Morning I, was, I was sore, and I said, yeah, it's, I still like the way it feels, okay? Can't get away from it. I mean, Ed Jumaville, the guy I mentioned earlier, okay, he died in the gym doing deadlifts. I don't want to die in the gym, but the point is that <laughs> you do what you like to do, and nothing in my life has been as much enjoyable, as much enjoyment as lifting weights. And I like other people watching them and sharing them. That's why it's why so good at me, so I enjoy, I can feel their happiness when they make a lift, okay? And I can feel their sadness when they miss. There's a famous story. Okay. From USM days. Where everybody trained there. Yep. hundred people at a time in there, in that gym. And he was out in the hallway doing his calf raises with a, with a guy on his back. You ever seen the donkey raises? Yep. Oh, yeah. The so, uh, super buddy. If I'm not mistaken, the guy worked at the bank with him, but we won't go any further than that. But, but Yeah, but not the guy no, that no, came no, by. No, yeah, the guy, yeah. The guy yeah. came by was sort of a chubby guy. I think he was. his wife probably said, you should start working out. And he came by and he says, Marty, what, this is crazy. What are you doing? He said, well, I'm exercising. They were sweating and having a great workout. We do this all the time. This is how we train. And the guy said, oh, looks like crazy stuff to me. I'll see you at work. And Marty's on the way by. The guy says, he said to the guy, you're happy, right? And the guy said, yeah. And he said, as long as you're happy. I think all the time, I always say, listen, do what makes you happy, okay? If you want to, if you want to, if you want to, you know, be fat all the time and you're happy, it's fine, okay? 
you know it, it's you know you know so yeah well you were saying that uh lifting weights is the best way to change your body i'm thinking well cupcakes in the couch might be able to change your body too yeah. but for the well, better i, I, I mean in the weight is very positive i think yes, it just looks course. so far into the guy to be you exercising know. yeah he said, well as yeah. long as you're happy right yeah i said yep the more you change you your body yep. the more you change your body you lift weights okay the more pride you develop in yourself okay and you know you start looking in the mirror okay not in a bad way just saying hey i'm seeing what i'm doing okay the thing why I say it takes a year because, like most sports, have instant success. You play basketball with, against some guy, okay? You're done playing the game that day. You're the one you lost, okay? You play handball, racquetball, okay? You want to lose that day. Lifting weights, it may take you five months to see a big change, okay? You have to really gut it up, okay? Because you, can, you may come in for a month and you push away and say, geez, I don't see a big change yet, you know? It, it takes a while, but once that actually changes, it is so personal to you. And so enjoyable that you say, hey, I, you know, I know guys gym over that you're training right now that but I'm gone 10 years and they're back now, you know. They were so, gone for 10 years? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Me I got to come back now. Jimmy White's the example, yeah. okay? I got I to gotta get back to that, okay? I, you know, in life. I can't relate to that. In, you just, you, you know, never left. No. In, in life, I went to seminar years ago. The, the guy did a great seminar. In life, there's three globes in life, okay? There's one globe called, called you. One is called business, and one is called your family. You got to keep all those three balls in balance to be happy, okay? Now, when you're young, you got no family, no business, you do whatever you want to do, you're happy to sell all the time, okay? Now you get a college, you got to get a job, okay? Then you get a family. All of a sudden, the family ball and the, you know, the, the business ball becomes massive, and you have no time for yourself. So what happens? You don't enjoy life, okay? You can't, you can't be successful in business and in your personal life unless you can do your own little thing, okay, with your family. So, you know, people have recognized that message that I have to do what makes me happy. Otherwise, I won't be happy in my business or my family. And whatever it is you do, I don't know if it's running or what it may be, if you do those things, focus on that. But success in life is keeping those three balls in perspective. Uh, and if you do that, you do well. So for me, guys always ask me, why do you train at night? Well, I was running a bank. Okay, and in 1988, you'd probably be very young, but we had a massive real estate collapse in New England. Main National Bank failed, Main Savings Bank failed, okay. I'm foreclosing on my own best friend, Danny Hamlin, okay, because of mug and stuff like that, okay. Brutal. So I'm like, I gotta go at night because if I go at night, I've been all the stress on the daytime. I can go at night, and my sanctuary is the gym. So I go to the gym and work out, okay. When I go to the gym, I'm not a bank or nothing, I'm just there, all right. If I'm pissed at somebody, then their neck becomes the bar. <laughs> so I, I can get that stuff all out at night and go home and be happy because I had a way to burn it all out. If you keep that stress inside your body all the time, okay, you're a heart, you're a heart attack candidate, all right? So, you know, exercising is also a way to get stress out, but it's, it's how you do it. I used to try to train somebody during lunchtime. I create more stress. I'd run out my suit on. Because you're, you're, so you're cramming. Basically. I'm cramming, and so all of a sudden my enjoyment is I got to get back to a certain time, so I couldn't do the workout. So I said to myself, "That's crazy! I can't be doing that." So I, I changed it to nights, and I've always, even today, I go to the gym at six o'clock, five thirty, train, and I get home and I feel great, you know. Uh, so you know, you find something, physical activity, okay, that is, that is that you enjoy, that that's going to help you, you know, reduce your stress, and make your life more fun. For but me, you got to keep doing it. For me, it's lifting weights. Okay. And when you stop doing that, you know, you build stress because you, you decide to get out of shape. You start seeing yourself 
geez, I should be there, but I'm not doing it, okay? Mm-hmm. And, you know, guys always say to me, to give you, you know, I used to train these people and coach them like him and this guy, and they say to me, I can't do this, or I can't be here. And I say, listen, there's a million freaking reasons you choose not to be here, okay? There's just one reason to get, just, okay, just get here, okay? Just get here, okay? I don't want to hear why you can't, okay? If you tell me you can't get it regularly, okay, don't waste my time coming, okay? Because I want to train you, help you, and so forth, but you've got to be committed to it, right? And you can always find time. And guys, they can't find time, that's an excuse. You can always find some time. Baloney. Uh, you know, years ago, he used to call it a giant set. You know what a giant set is? You only got, you only got 20 minutes of training, okay? You have 10 exercises. One set of each exercise to failure, you get in the 20 minutes, okay? And just do 10 of them in a row to failure. Right. In and out. You know, in and out, okay? So yeah, I, uh, I hate to admit it, but I, I was uh, missed my normal gym session today. But before this podcast, I still got. Two I saw you doing something. I got two sets of yeah. two twenty or two sets of twenty five at one eighty five on bench. Mm-hmm. I did uh, three fifteen for uh, four with the shoulder saver. There you go. There you go. Yeah, you know, you just kind of. I did something. You did it. You know, I, I had my my bypass. And I'm a little I'm a little nutty anyway, so I had my bypass and I competed in Maddie's, Maddie's meet six months later. Yep. White didn't know about it. <laughs> and I was right. training and so forth, and I said, I got to do, you know, try it. But, you know, anyway, the point is, is that you find a passion, whether it's running or riding a bike, something like that, and you got to do your passion. Absolutely. Without your passion, you know, life's not much fun. My friend of mine, Danny Hamlet, used to have this saying if you get older, you keep closing down chapters in your life. If you, ain't, if you ain't careful, there's no more chapters to close down. And then you close the you final, know, you close the I book. I had my kids, my kids are gone, okay? I'm going to retire pretty soon, okay? I mean, what do you, what do you, what I got left? I can still lift some weights. I got to do something, okay? You need something that's, you know, to have, have some goals, okay? Even if they're, they're goals you don't appreciate because, you know, what you did years ago, that'll keep you motivated. I have a new saying, okay? Appreciate where I've been, respect where I am. I can't worry about what I used to do years ago. If I try to worry about that, if you work in my heavens, it'd be miserable, okay? So I know I say, now I say, well, here's where I'm at and so forth, okay? So, matter when you do something, think about the guys your age, you can't do any of this stuff, okay? You'd be happy with that. Don't look around the gym and see young guys and say, well, they're, they're so good and so forth, okay? You can't do that. So, if you appreciate where you've been and respect where you are, you'd be much happier. So, I'm much, a few years back, I wasn't like that. And I was getting disappointed myself still wanting to pull six of the pounds. And I pulled the 523, so I got to pull more than that, for Christ's sake, you know? And guys tell me how great it was. So Kim said, I'm not great, I suck, okay? So I was great disappointing them all the time because I just couldn't do that again, okay? Yeah. Now I'm at a point that I'm just happy training again. I have some goals, uh, but they're more reasonable. So that makes it fun again. That's awesome. He's done a lot. So He's done a lot for me. Marty, I want to say uh, this is our longest podcast to date. How long? So we're over an hour. That's all right. We've got. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. You are so far our biggest deadlifter on the podcast thus far, and that was a great conversation. I really appreciate you coming out. Okay. I, I owe him a lot. I I've got a nat, I've got several national championships because of him. I have two world championships because of him. I have the first credit card I ever got in my pocket because of him. <laughs> Because he was the president of the bank. Oh! I couldn't get a credit card when I was 21. Right. And so a few mortgages here and there. A few there. mortgages, <laughs> a few personal loans. And he learned, I, he learned how to run meets. And he learned how to run meets and businesses. So. All right. That's Thank awesome. You. And I got one more thing here. But I had to black out one guy. That's my first state championship because of him. Oh, There's yeah. a guy there he doesn't want to see. I don't want to see him either. I was a little bigger back then. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I don't want to see him. I know you don't. That's a long story. Yeah. You'll have to tell me afterwards. Yeah. I am curious. But that's that, 1983. We don't put that. We don't put that in no. the talk show. No. No. Well, that's uh, these photos really kind of. Anyway, I owe all of these to him. So put that into perspective, folks. You know, people know Maddie as kind of the. Uh, Kind of the godfather of powerlifting, Not but me. the real godfather sitting right there. is sitting in between us here in Studio 308 yeah. in Westbrook, Maine. Yeah. So thanks again. We You're really welcome. appreciate it. All right. Had a good, had a good time. Fun, isn't it? It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's All fun. right, folks. November 11th and 12th, right here, the New England Championships. Uh, Matt, we that got that special. And you know more about it than I do online for the built and the. Yeah, I believe it's you get a. A uh, 12 pack yes. of the protein yes. and uh, tub of the built. Right. It's like 66. 60, yeah, bucks? you save eight bucks. Yeah, it's a good deal. You can yep. pick. You can order it online. You can pick it up right, right here in person. You can also renew or renew your membership online. Yes. So, yeah, we've if had some major technology upgrades. You can now have reoccurring payments online. Uh, online. So you could just bring in a credit card. Go for, to the website and forget about it. Yep. You can also register for meets online, online as of today. As of today, you can enter the enter the New England folks right Let's now do if you it want. Right now. So we're making progress here. Marty'll be there judging or Marty lifting will, maybe too. Marty'll be there judging. judging. Introduce yourself to him, shake his hand. Maybe you'll learn something if you're yep. lucky. I'm no godfather, he is. And on that note, <laughs> Uh, thank you Good all night, for everybody. listening. We'll be back in a week's time. That's right. <laughs>